We're going to pray real quick. Okay. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And um, we prayed it this morning when we came in um, before the service even started. John the Baptist said it best when he said, Jesus, you must increase and we must decrease. Lord, I pray that that would be true this morning, whether it be during worship or during the preaching or just anything that we say, that we would be pointing people and pushing people to you, that they would see in a new way the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So you increase and open up your word to us this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Okay, if you have, we call this our your worship guide. If you have your worship guide, you should have the passage on the front of your worship guide, right? If you'd like to mark your Bible up like I do, then I encourage you to get your Bible out. But if you have, if you want a place for taking notes, this is going to be your place for taking notes. Um, ideally, you take this, you take your notes, you, you mark things out down, and then you put it in your Bible. And what you're going to see kind of future Redstone Church Elizabeth and is then we hope to connect everybody into these community groups that meet like on a, a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday night. And we're going to come back and say, hey, we heard the word of God on Sunday morning. Okay, let's talk about that. What did you hear? What struck you? What hit your heart? And maybe let's dig into the text a little bit deeper. So you hear the word of God and conviction can come, right? Then what do you do with that? You move it into a community group. And in community group, you can actually have a time of confessing your sins one to another. You can have a time of reflection. You can have a time of just being saying, I was really challenged by this one word, right? So that's what we want you to kind of, you know, practice doing with this. So don't just don't throw it in the trash. Take it and put it in your Bible. Okay, so our text this morning is going to be John chapter 8, verses 30 through 36. Now, we're not going to expound the text deeply today because I really want to get to the main point of why I think that the Lord has called me to this particular passage. But let's just jump into it. Let's read it together, starting in verse 30. Speaking of Jesus, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. Which is an interesting thing that Israelites would say that. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So here's the word of God and the, the context. Jesus is talking to these religious leaders. He's talking to these Pharisees, right? And the Pharisees are having a hard time figuring Jesus out. You know, he says things like, what is he talking about? And then in other moments, they're like, oh, I bet he, he must be a prophet. Right, because he's saying things, and he's saying that he's come from God. Yeah, okay, we we believe that. So there has to be something to their belief, because it says that they believed in verse number thirty, right? But then he challenges that belief system, right? And as Jesus continues to challenge the belief system that was there amongst all of the religious leaders, at some point in time, they got fed up with it, because his challenging of them challenged everything that was near and dear to their heart and their whole belief system about relationship with God in eternity, he began, you know, breaking down some of those barriers to the degree that they couldn't handle it. So finally, they, they, they just decided that it would be better to kill him, 
right? And you see that starting right here. They're like, we believe. We believe some of the things that you're saying. And then Jesus looks at them and says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. So when you see the word disciple, right, just think, you know, Jesus follower, right? You know, are you truly a Jesus follower? So one of the, the missions, really the main mission of Redstone Church, is that we would be disciples, Jesus followers, who are making disciples, Jesus followers, okay? So we're not ever going to be pushing for some kind of an easy believism, like this is so that you can come into these doors and get your ticket to heaven, and then if you want to follow Jesus at a deeper level, then that's great. We actually think that they go hand in hand, and that's what Jesus is pushing um, the Pharisees toward. He says, if you abide in my word, if you remain, if you abide in my word, then you're truly a disciple. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. As I was thinking about Carter County, you know, just thinking about Elizabeth and Carter County, I had some I had some great time of reflection over the past week because there's a lot of great things that have happened for me personally um, in Carter County, right? I got my first kiss in Carter County. Anybody else get their first kiss in Carter County? Right? Some, I think Nanette just raised her hand, right? Uh, and Nicole, right? Um, I dunked a basketball for the first time in Carter County, you know? I remember it. In fact, which direction? Where's Elizabeth in high school? Okay, I got dunked on <laughs> at Elizabeth High School. Yeah, I remember that. I remember, we don't have any high school kids in here. I remember, oh, actually, middle school, high school, we do. Like laying out of Happy Valley and like pulling into um, the school and getting um, Mike and David. And we jumped in the car and we just took off and we went to the lake and we played games, we played basketball, and then we snuck back in at like 2.50 in the afternoon, and we sat down, and we were like, yes, we got away with it. And then we heard over the intercom, David Reynolds, Mike Britt, and Jerry Williams, please come to the office. I got my first paddling in Carter County, right? A lot of firsts. I actually asked my bride of almost 29 years now to marry me at the Covered Bridge. You know, and I can go on and on. All of these great things that happen. Johnson City is becoming a place like I was there a couple of nights ago. It's like, what in the world is going on on a Friday and a Saturday night that people are in Johnson City? No one ever went to Johnson City growing up, right? Our old stomping grounds was just Carter County. You know, it was Elizabethan. That's where we hung out. That's where life took place. So I've got all these great memories of Carter County. Um, we bought our first house in Carter County. I went to church, you know, most of my life, you know, in Carter County. I became a Christian in Carter County. But here's the negative side of that, right? I also kind of got into this religious system where I saw lots of people that were in bondage in Carter County. I saw people that would do anything to make sure that they were at church on a Sunday morning because it was expected of them, or a Wednesday night or a Sunday night but they would live however they wanted to, and they were definitely not disciples, Jesus followers, you know, during the week. And it was just kind of the way things were, right? Yeah, we go to church, right? Of course we go to church. Well, we would not go to church. Are you in youth group? Of course I'm in youth group. Why would I not be in youth group? That's expected in Carter County, right? You, of course, go to church, and you probably go three three times 
a week. You know, but are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Or going back to the text, do you abide in his word? Do you know the word of God? Do you follow the word of God? Do you abide in his word? Because Jesus is pushing back saying, because if you're not doing that, then you're not really a disciple, right? And it was this idea of what I had seen growing up, but also what I had practiced growing up that I could not get to just leave my heart um, as I was thinking about this moment because I saw lots of people that were in bondage, right? And there's two kinds of bondage here. One was the people that were in bondage because they didn't know the truth. They just didn't know the truth. The word of God says this, the God of this age, that's a little G and it's talking about the devil, right? It says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So there was these people that they just didn't see it. They were blind to the truth. And then there were these other people that would, they would see it. They would come to faith in Christ, and they would be so excited about what Jesus had done in their life. Right? They would confess their sins. They would go. They would be baptized. And then they would fall into this system, this religious system, where there was these expectations, which we'll jump into in a moment, which really had nothing to do with discipleship or fellowship. There were just a lot of man-made rules and regulations. And, and so they would go from being free of their sins, right, to actually being back in bondage again. And I watched that my whole life. And I'm 52 years old now. And only now am I really beginning to fully see that and, and wanting to speak into it and wanting to help people to become free. So here's what I want to do. Let's, let's kind of go back and look at the text and then I'm going to walk you through some freedoms, and we're going to look at some freedoms um, together. So the first thing that you need to see here is they said that they believed. There was a belief that was there. You know, the book of James says that, um, you know, the devils, you know, the demons believe that there's one God. But that doesn't make them disciples. That doesn't make them Jesus followers. There's lots of people in Carter County that if you say, you know, check here, yes or no, do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth? They're going to say, well, yes, of course we believe that, right? Are you abiding in his word and are you following Jesus Christ? Well, that's just a little bit, you know, too much, but of course I believe in God. So they'll separate those two, right? And Jesus is saying, no, they're, they're actually the same. So you can believe in God and not be a disciple and not be a follower. And then the thing that you see here is Jesus begins challenging them when he says that. And they're like, what do you mean in bondage? Right? We've never been in bondage before, which makes absolutely no sense when you think about, you know, the nation of Israel that were in the bondage, you know, in bondage, you know, in Egypt for, you know, for all of those years and Moses had to, you know, release them. But there was a challenge on them and their, um, how, was, how was it that I, that I saw it? Their um, ancestral coattails, that's what I put. Their ancestral coattails, right? Everything that we are, who we are in our, our, our very identity rests upon the fact that Abraham was our great, 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 great grandfather. We are children of Abraham, right? What do you mean in bondage? You know, we're already free and they didn't understand the connection uh, that was there because it was implied that they were presently enslaved. And they're saying, no, we reject that. You know, we're not enslaved. We're already free. We're children of Abraham. They can't understand the gospel. They couldn't understand the gospel. And you and I can't understand the gospel 
unless we very first and foremost recognize that we are in bondage. You know, Jesus says, it's not the healthy that I came, you know, to save. It's not the people that think that they're, they're okay. It's the people that know that they're sick and in dire need of a physician. He says, it's not the righteous. No one's righteous but him. But it's not the people who think that they're righteous, you know, who need a savior. It's the people who know that they're in bondage. And it's the people who know that they are in sin. Right, So that's the first step before we can even understand the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. We have to understand our condition apart from Jesus Christ. And then once we understand it, we'll be free. Right. So let's look at some of these freedoms together. So the first freedom that I want us to look at should be the very first freedom that we do look at, which is that because of the gospel... We are free from sin. So if you're taking notes, the first freedom is that we're free from sin. Oh, yeah, of course, Jesus died on the cross because God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. So, yeah, we're free from sin. That one makes sense. Let's not move past that one too quickly, please. We're free from our sins. Either Jesus is responsible for taking every one of our sins upon himself or else we're responsible for saving ourselves. If it is dependent upon me to somehow come along beside and help Jesus, right, I'm in trouble. I'm in serious trouble. I don't know about you guys, but I'm in serious trouble. Romans 3.23 says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. There's this, there's this perfect element. Jesus says in the, um, in the Beatitudes, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect, right? I can't attain to that. I can't attain to that, and neither can you. That means I'm sick and I'm unrighteous, which means I need a physician and I need a Savior, right? But the fact that Jesus would actually take all of our sins from us, there's this great passage in Romans chapter uh, 6. You can turn to it if you want to. Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. In fact, we'll come back to Romans um, in a few moments. Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 7 says it this way, If we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. No one who has died has been set free, or for one who has died in Christ has been set free from sin. Has been past tense, set free, completely free from sin. The gospel declares that he who had no sin became sin or a sin offering, I think it says in the ESV, which is the the Bible version that we'll probably always use at Redstone uh, Elizabethan. He who had no sin became sin for us, that in him we, sinful, sick people, might become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God takes the righteousness of Jesus, which we do not deserve, and he places it upon those that will believe in, abide in, and follow Jesus. I don't need to even talk about anything else. We could stay right there and just talk about this over and over and get this into our hearts 
because of the gospel, I will not be held accountable to my sins. I am free. Do you see that? Right? I heard that language all of my life, but I never understood it. I never understood the totality of the freedom that we have. Not only that, the second freedom that we're going to look at is that we're free from guilt. So number one, we're free from our sin. But number two, we're free from our guilt. Isaiah 6, 7, I love this passage. It says it this way. It says, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for, right? So your sins, you know, they're, they're atoned for through the blood of Jesus Christ. But not only that, but your guilt is taken away as well. The other thing that I was reflecting upon was in Carter County, in Elizabeth, and all of those years, my old stomping grounds, right? I've got a lot of regrets. Show of hands. Is anybody in here have regrets in your life? Or am I the only one? Okay. Right audience. And sometimes, sometimes I'll go on these prayer walks in the morning. I'll be walking and I'll pray. And these thoughts come back to me of things that I've done in my past. There's some fun things. There's some good moments. I mean, getting on one knee at the cover bridge and asking Cammie to marry me, that was a really, really good moment. But they're not all good. There's some really, really bad things that I did in this county. There's things that I did that no one knows about. You know, there's things that, that were in my heart and in my mind that were just really bad. But there was also actions that took place that I really regret, right? Well, what do you do with that? The gospel covers it, right? Jesus says your sins are atoned for, but your guilt is taken away as well. Revelations chapter 12 paints this picture of the enemy, and he knows that his time is short, and he comes after the church. And it says that he begins to accuse us. He begins to accuse the saints and the brethren day and night. He accuses us. He says, don't you remember when you did this? And don't you remember when you did that? And how about this time? Nobody knows about that, right? I remember that because I saw it. And you can be plagued with this guilt. But then it says, but they overcame him, the enemy, by um, the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they didn't love this life so much as to shrink from death, right? They could look at the enemy, and I can look at the enemy and say, now the blood of Christ covers all of that. And my testimony is that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, so I don't have to hang on to that guilt anymore. And the worst thing you can do to me is kill me, and even there, I win. Right? What do you do about that? I understand that in a different way today than I even did a year ago. And understanding the freedom that we have in Christ and the fact that all of my sin is taken away, but not only that, all of the guilt for all the foolish things that I've ever done in the past has been taken away as well. There's liberty there. There's freedom that's there, right? And part of this church plant, the reason that I believe that God is wanting there to be another church resurrected in Elizabethan, right, in Carter County, is because there's a lot of people that are in bondage. There's a lot of people in, that are in bondage and they need to be uh, set free. Third freedom. This one's got a lot of words to it. Free from having to give in to temptations as we once did. Free from having to give in to temptations as we once did. Because of the gospel, because when Jesus says, you'll know the truth, 
and the truth shall set you free. Right Here's a part of that. If we continue to read um, the rest of the Gospels and then the epistles that, that come after Christ has ascended, right? we understand that there's this grand exchange that takes place. When Jesus says to his disciples, listen, I'm going away. I'm getting ready to go away. And they're like, wait a minute. We're following you now, and now you're saying you're getting ready to leave. And he says, it's okay. It's better for you that I go away because I'm going to come back to you. They're like, I don't, we don't get it. We don't understand. They did not understand. But Jesus is saying, there's 12 of you, and you're following me, right? And that's good. And I'm giving you the truth. And I'm showing you, and I'm teaching you. I have to die, right? I'm not going to stay dead. I'm going to resurrect. But even then, I'm going to ascend, and I'm going to go back to the Father. But when I do that, I'm going to come back to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. There's this exchange that takes place, whereas... 12 of them were following him. Now he can and he will reside in everyone who says, I believe the gospel. I believe that Jesus is my only hope. I confess my sins to you, Lord. I am sick and I need help. I am not righteous, but I need a savior. And we confess our sins to him and he forgives us. He takes away our sins. He takes away our guilt. But then the grand exchange is he actually comes to reside within us. And as he does that, he gives us the power to say no, as Titus says, to ungodliness. He teaches us to say no to ungodliness. We don't have to give in to the things that we once did. Galatians 2.20 says it, it this way. says, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives within me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. This grand exchange means not just that my sins are taken away and my guilt is taken away and now he's going to say, go get him, Jerry, go do it, I'm with you. He says, no, I'm going to help you. I'm going to live within you and I'm going to teach you to say no to ungodliness. Watchman Nee was this great Chinese uh, pastor um, and he, he wrote this book called The Normal Christian Life. Some of you may have, may have read it. It's, it's a small read. I encourage you to read it if you haven't. And it's just a walk through the book of Romans. But in this book, he gives this illustration that I've never been able to get out of my mind. He, he basically says it this way. Before you're a believer, you've got a choke collar on. Okay? You've got a choke collar on. And the enemy is just going to tug and tug and tug. And you may be able to resist and resist and resist, but at, at some point either in your mind or in your heart or with your actions, you're going to end up succumbing to the tugging that's taking place. You're just going to. You don't have the power to say no, right? So you're going to end up saying yes over and over and over. And we've got these, these, these columns worth of times that we've said yes to ungodliness in our lives. And, and that's where the guilt can come from. Again, the gospel takes away the sins, but it also takes away the guilt. Right? But now we've got the power to say no because the choke collar, collar that used to be on us, right? Jesus comes and he just throws it away. It's gone. The choke collar is gone. Collar is gone. I don't want to keep on calling it a collar. It's a collar. Right? The choke collar is completely gone. But we're so accustomed to saying yes when we're tugged on and we're, we're given these, these commands that you'll see Christians that will continue... Um, you know, sit, 
you know, go, jump, you know, whatever. And they're like, yes, master. Yes, master. They're, they're so used to saying yes to this former master that they don't even realize that they don't have to anymore. The choke collar has been completely removed. Um, here's, here's, keep on looking at Romans chapter 6. Look at verses 11, 12, and 14. And in, in verse number 11 it says, So you also must consider or reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so consider yourself. Consider yourself, reckon yourself to be dead to sin. That's an accounting term, which means that the transaction has already taken place. It's done, right? So reckon yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And in verse number 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You don't have to obey anymore. The choke collar is completely gone. You can actually say no. Look at verse number 14. This is a great word. It says, for sin will have no dominion over you. Sin once dominated us, it won't anymore. That's the freedom that we have because of the goodness of the gospel. You see this? Right? The reason that Jesus is wanting to plant a church is so that people will see the gospel in lenses, through lenses that they maybe haven't seen before. My sins are taken away. My guilt is taken away. But not only that, I can say no to ungodliness. Yes, you can actually live a victorious Christian life. But even when you don't, and even when you fall, right, after becoming a believer, either you're responsible for your, your own salvation or Jesus already did it. Even then you confess your sins. Even then. And he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, number four. We are free from man-made traditions, legalities, and religious expectations. We are free from man-made traditions, legalities, and religious expectations. We're free. Mark 6, 9, there's a great passage that maybe I'll be able to preach on it one day. But he's also, once again, speaking to the religious leaders, okay? And they have made these man-made, burdensome religious rules and traditions. And this is what Jesus says to them in Mark 6, 9. He says, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God. So we're going to say no to the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition, right? You have a fine way of saying no to what God says because what we say supersedes that. These weird rules that they had about marriages and they had just about purifications, these ceremonial purifications, and you're like, well, what is that? That doesn't, even, that doesn't apply to us today. Well, it really does, right? I mean, think about the South. Right, I remember having conversations with pastors on this subject, and they looked at me like I was a three-headed alien. They, they were saying that you needed to be here on Sunday morning, pre-service for a prayer time, and then you need to be here for Sunday school, and then you needed to be here for Sunday morning, and then you need to be there on Sunday evening for church training, and then you need to be there for regular church, and then the Wednesday night you've, we've got like this other thing going on, and then on Thursday night we've got visitation. I had two little kids, and I'm like, that sounds 
Like that would be easier for me because then I don't have to take care of Caleb and Kyler who are like five and, you know, two or whatever at the time. You know, that would be great. It's almost like I'm going on vacation and leaving, you know, the kids with Cammy. But biblically, wouldn't it make better sense for me to be at home with my spouse on some of those nights and helping her and loving my, my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her and helping raise my kids than always being away doing religious stuff? And I got the kind of the head cock. It's like, well, no, you need to be here, right? I don't go to church there anymore. You know, we, we, we just, we're not there anymore. But there was these expectations, right? There's these expectations that we can have on people that aren't really in the Word of God, um, and especially in the South. I think you need to be careful, or we need to be careful, when we hear phrases like, I just think that when you go to church, blank, right? I just think that the preacher should wear a tie, right? I'll probably never wear a tie unless I have a funeral right afterward, right? I just think that it's wrong to wear jeans in church. You know, on Sunday, these are things that I've heard from people around me in this area, right? I just think, fill in the blank. I just think, fill in the blank. We've all heard those things. Where does that come from? You know, why do we put expectations upon, you know, people in the way that we do and the way that Jesus does not? And I really think it's because we feel good about being in control. And if we can come up with lists, you know, touch these things, don't touch these things. You can do these things, but you can't do these things. You can go here, but you can't go there, right? Then somehow we feel that we're contributing to our salvation. We do. And Jesus says, no, right? I'm laying down my life for you. And if you'll abide in me, you'll know the truth and that truth will set you free. And then you don't have to come up with all these lists and rules, everything that you need. And there are rules, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else is encompassed in those two rules. But yes, there are some things that we should not do. And there are some things that we should do. So I'm not saying that you're so free that you can do whatever you want to with your life, but your interests change. And you begin to look through kingdom lenses as you look at your at this world, right? But you can look at some of the other traditions that are presented and say, golly, that's just contrary to what the Word of God teaches. I'm not going to fall in line with your expectations of what I should or should not do because the truth of the matter is I am free. And Jesus has already freed me. Uh, he's our only hope. There's a lot of other... Um, Freedoms. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to read some of them to you. Free to be real, transparent, and honest. Right? Redstone, Elizabeth, and we're going to push for it. We're going to push for people that will confess their sins one to another. There's, there's something about being able to be honest with a brother or a sister and say, here's where I'm struggling. I don't have it all together. Here's a stronghold in my life. Here's an area that I keep on saying yes to, and I need help. Right? That's not easy to do. It's hard to do because we want everyone to think that we have it all together. We do not have it all together. We do dumb things. We say th dumb things. Sometimes when we go home, husbands, we've had a bad day and we're condescending to our spouses and we should not be, you know, and spouses, you know, women spouses to their husbands as well. It doesn't just go one way. But sometimes we treat each other in ways that we shouldn't. You know, sometimes our hearts are drawn to things that they shouldn't be and our eyes are drawn to things that they shouldn't be, right? And then what we do is, because we expect that we have to have it all together, we keep that stuff inside and we never share it with anybody else. 
And what we're doing is we're putting ourselves back in bondage again. We're free, but we ought to be able to f- be able to be free to be transparent, to be honest with one another as well, to carry one another's burdens and in doing so fulfill the law of Christ. We're free from the fear of tomorrow. You know, if you're writing down your, free, your freedoms, I mean, yeah, we're free to be transparent, but we're also free from the fear of tomorrow or the job that you don't have yet or the mate that you haven't found yet or the degree that you're not sure that you should receive, that you should you know, jump into a certain major yet. We're free in these areas that we don't have to have it all together. We seek first the kingdom of God and everything else that he, that he says that we need. He promises that he's going to give it to us. We don't have to shoulder that. We're free from the fear of death. This passage has taken on, or this thought has taken on a whole new meaning in my life this year. There's been three things. You know, there was a heart, and then there was a tumor, and then there was a prostate cancer. It was like one after another. I just look at life differently than I did before. And that's probably a good thing for this church, to be honest with you. Because I can promise you I'm a little bit bolder with the gospel than I used to be. I promise you I'm not afraid to say Jesus in this community. And I promise you I'm not afraid to rub shoulders with people that don't know him. I'm not afraid to do those things. But I'm also recognizing that life is so short, right? If we're going to have these conversations, if we're going to be transparent, if we're going to live like we're free, it needs to be today. People need to see it today. Now, when we hear the word free, and when we talk about these freedoms, there's this Americanized version of freedom. That's not what we're talking about, okay? And that's, that's a, a version of freedom where it's kind of all about you and you're on the throne and you can kind of do whatever you want to. That's not what we're talking about. The freedom that we have in Christ and when we understand the magnitude of the gospel and the glory of the gospel and what he's done for us, this freedom then says, Jesus You are master, and I will follow you, and I will live for you. Well, that doesn't sound like freedom, but it is. It is. In the Old Testament, you saw the slave who would say, I I know that you're telling me that I'm free, but I love you. You you um, You're very loving, and you're kind, and I don't want to leave you. And they would put an earring so that the whole world would know that I continue to follow my master because I choose to, even though he has set me free. So when we come to Christ and we recognize what he has done for us, we are now free to serve him, right? Now we are free to worship him. We're free to stand in awe of him. We're free to speak the name of Jesus out loud to people, right? I double dog dare you, believers, this week in a conversation with someone, don't just say God or the Lord has been so good to me. I dare you to use the word Jesus. Just do it. Don't ask me why. It's changed my confidence level to use the word Jesus in talking to people. Jesus has changed my life. Wow, really? Yes, Jesus has changed my life. And here's how Jesus has changed my life. Or Jesus has just been so present to me this week in this struggle that I've been having. But just learning how to use the name of Jesus We get confused in this world when we use the word God or Lord because that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people and a lot of different religious institutions. Oh, yeah, we we believe in God as well. I had that conversation with some um, Mormons that came and visited me a couple months ago. They will never come back to my house again. You know, they they 
they scurried off. So, well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about meanings. And we had a great conversation. I thought it was a great conversation. They did not like it. Um, but when you use the name of Jesus, it changes things. So we're free to speak the name of Jesus. We're free to serve one another. We're even free. Now, I know that this is going to be radical. Write it down. You might want to come to you know later. Um, but in the church, this one is going to be a surprise. But we're actually in free, free to enjoy our lives and have fun. See, I didn't know that growing up in the church. I didn't see a whole lot of that. You're even free, um, Cammie and uh, Ryan and Jerry Lynn, to get a Labrador, not a Labrador, but a Golden Retriever puppy if you want to, right? So you can, you can do these things. So this is the new thing going on in our life. That may not be freedom, though. That may be just the opposite. If the last two nights are any indication, I may be in bondage at a deep level, right? There's lots of freedoms. You're tracking with me, I hope. But it starts with what Jesus has done on the cross. He gave himself for us. He's taken our guilt from us. He's given us the power to say no, right? We're making Jesus large here. This is not Christianity, and this is not Redstone Church Elizabethan. Do not promote Redstone Church Elizabethan. Promote the gospel. Promote the name of Jesus. That's what people need to hear. But when I look throughout Appalachia, when I look throughout Carter County, I see lots of religion and morality. Sam spoke about this back in October, and he was so good, and he was so right. But very little gospel understanding. Lots of quote-unquote belief in God, but very little fellowship. Jesus is talking about abiding in the truth, following the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And even amongst the people that do believe the truth, I see very little freedom. I call a spade a spade. I don't see Christians that are, that are enjoying life. They don't laugh enough. They don't buy golden retrievers enough. You're right. They're just, maybe they do that. But they don't, but they don't really act like they're free. It's like we believe the truth. But then there's these rules and expectations, and they're trying to balance that. And the people that are watching that say, yeah, whatever that is, I don't want any part of it, right? We ought to be the freest people and the most loving people and the most courageous people on the planet. And people ought to be able to see it and say, whatever that is, I want. I had that happen. I was telling the core group a couple of weeks ago. The guy was 70. I won't tell you the whole story, but he came to me and he was like, you're different. Whatever this is, I want to know what it is. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, Christianity, not the church plan, but Christianity. I've been watching you and you're just different because you actually enjoy us and you have fun and you're rubbing shoulders with people that are not like you. And you're not afraid of that. Why is that? And why can you do that? How can you do that and still speak the name of Jesus? And I'm like, well, we're going to talk about that. Right. There's this freedom that we have that ought to be seen by the world and it ought to draw them to Christ. Discipleship. Discipleship is following Jesus, abiding in the word, following him, obeying him. And then we begin to understand the magnitude of the glory of the gospel and all that goes along with it. And then we will begin to be free. 
we began to understand that the, the, the gospel declares that he has removed the choke collar from us. And we are free. Completely free. And for those that are here today that don't know this truth, you just don't know it. I've been in Southern Appalachia my whole life. I've been in church my whole life. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know this Jesus that you speak of. I just don't. And, and what we would say to you is, if you do not, and if you die in your sins, you will be eternally separated from him. You will. And that's not a good thing. We'd love to have that conversation with you. But it, the scripture also says that today is the day of salvation. So if you're like, I don't know, I want to know more, Sam and I are going to be here after the service. All you got to do is just come up and say, hey, can we talk a little bit more? Or can we schedule a coffee? You know, can we get together this week? Because I'd like to talk with you more about this. We want to help you with that. We want to help you to understand the truth, right? And some of the other people that, you know, may be here, that you know the truth, but you don't live like you do, right? I would just say, stop it. Just stop it. Quit living like you're submitting to man's rules and regulations and just submit to the gospel and be free with what Jesus has done and just stop it. Life is too short, right? Just stop it. This, we're going to close with this one passage. This is Galatians 5.1. I love this passage. It's a great summation of everything that I've said. And it reads this. It says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Right now, we're meeting monthly, and at some point in time, we're going to meet weekly. But every time we hear the Word of God, like we've heard this morning, we're going to take time just to pause and reflect. And I ask you to do the same thing that I will do, which is just to pray a prayer to the Lord. You can just say, Lord, open up my heart, open up my mind. What are you trying to help me to hear this morning that I need to hear? So let's take a few moments, a few minutes, and just quieten yourself before the Lord and ask him um, to reveal himself to you.